Welcome to Women on Wealth, a podcast by women for women. Our mission is to empower women to embrace the discussion around wealth, demystify finance and market-related topics, and break down the emotions that surround these decisions. Your host is Julina Ogilvie, Partner and Wealth Advisor with Principal Wealth Partners. She is a certified private wealth advisor and a certified investment management analyst with over 20 years of industry experience. Well, hello, everyone. This is Jelena. Welcome back to Women on Wealth. And we have such a unique opportunity today with my special guest, Lily Hoff. There are many Americans that have never lived or grown up outside of the United States. And I am fortunate to say I'm one of them. Uh, I lived in Brazil and then Venezuela growing up until my family moved to New Jersey when I was in fourth grade. And I have many stories and I think my parents have even more about our experiences, but I'm going to say these don't even come close to what Lily's experience was in her childhood uh, growing up abroad and her experiences. Um, I would say she defines herself as a survivor um, given the fact that she experienced many traumatic events in her childhood. And I will say they've shaped her today um, to how she thinks about her family and, and, and candidly about money and finances. So I wanted to have her on to talk about her story. Um, she's very willing to share it and I'm so thankful for that. So Lily, welcome. And I'm going to allow you to introduce yourself and your story if you can. Hello everyone, uh, I am a survivor. I had, as Juliana said, I had experienced many traumatic events starting when I was very young and lost everything, including my home and a socialist takeover. There was lots and lots of emotional and financial hardship, and it took me a while to finally recover and be able to talk about it. So I really appreciate the opportunity for today. And today I'm happy to call America my lovely home. This country has provided me the freedom to grow personally and professionally. And um, I, I, I just cannot be happier um, than being here. Currently, I am a head of product innovation at a professional service firm in New York City. Uh, I love that, thank you. And can, can you, so can you expand um, on, on your story? Can you start with you know, where you were born, where you grew up, and, and talk a little bit about what transpired in your early childhood. So I was born in Saigon, Vietnam, in a, into a very wealthy family. After the fall of Saigon, my family lost everything. Uh, we had additional homes, money in the bank, assets, everything was frozen as if we were criminal. And the comfortable life we had disappeared overnight. We had to start everything from scratch. The Communist Party tried to control the currency by exchanging money four times during the nine years I was there. It was like I got to play the Monopoly game in real life situation, starting at the go with equal money per household. And that was my childhood. It was very clear that only the well-connected folks um, from the North, this is the kind of like the North Vietnamese, mm -hmm. had the opportunity to succeed. And being from the South, my family's only chance of survival was to leave. 
And it's now that I think about, you know, what happened in Afghanistan um, and it's so similar to that situation that has yeah. really break my heart. It's, it's absolutely devastating. Um, and, and we're going to, I'm going to ask you to expand on, on some of your story, but you, you, in your introduction, talked about your success in New York city. Can you, can you talk about, you know, let's go to today. Where are you today? How do you define success when you think about your, your, your personal life and your professional life? So success is really where you you really feel you accomplish something, personal goal or or professional goals. And like I said, when you know you talk about being independent, being in control, being really, as I mentioned to to uh, Julie uh, Juliana, that when when my family lost everything and and the financial difficulties I had to deal with. At the time when I was, um, I managed money when I was little at 10. And when my dad was in, at that time, my dad was in a wheelchair um, and I was the youngest at 10 years old uh, of the three remaining kids in Vietnam. My mother was a pharmacist uh, with her storefront pharmacy before, had to find an hourly labor job making shoes to support the family. She was the only one that could make, you know, could, could, uh, could go to work. Mm-hmm. And my sister and I had to take turn managing the family's household and, and, and we're giving a daily budget to buy foods and at the market. So when we had to bargain for everything, it's not like, unlike the grocery here, you, you come and you, you have price and you know how much it's mm-hmm. like, everything is a flea market. You go in, you have to bargain for everything. And at 10 years old, I had to do that. I had to calculate what I could purchase for that day and negotiate it to the penny. Um, and if I didn't do well, there was not enough food for the family. Um, so it was, it was like really calculated. Um, and, and for me, success was at that time was how do I manage this little budget of money daily to be able to buy food and, 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 and be able to go home and cook for my family. So, so we would not be hungry. This is another thing. It's all about socialism, right? Yeah. Um, a government would give you let's say number of households. So they, they say, okay, your household has five versus six versus four, whatever, depends on the number of household. They give you how many pounds of rice per week, whatever it is, right. you would go there and get lined up. I mean, it's so humiliating. Amazing. Lined up to pretty much get a bag of rice or whatever things that they give you. Right. And then um, you come home and I'll tell you, because then, People cheat, right? Lots of people and the government, this is the government, cheat and steal. And so they mix in with rocks, right? Oh with rocks. So the, because you just wait, you put the bag and then you wait, right? So nobody's going to see everything inside. So right. they mix in with rocks. So oh you go home, you have to spend hours because then you break your teeth when yeah. you chew on the rock. Oh so it happened, teeth is all awful when it was in Vietnam. So you had to come home. We have to eat pick out all the little rock and they, 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 they pick the little rock, they pick the big rock because then it's obvious, right? Little tiny rock that you pick, um, you know, out and, and literally 
hours to pick them out from a bag of rice yeah. before you can cook them. And that's what success looked like uh, at that time. Now, as you, uh, as I grow up and, and continue life, success is really making a difference in somebody else's life now. Um, and that's how I, I kind of stretch my professional career to really making a big difference, whether or not making a new product, whether or not making innovation, whether or not making a difference in customer or consumer life, that's what I'm driving for. And that's what success looked like for me. Yeah, that's amazing. We, we, um, we talk a lot in finance around the importance of, of having a budget and understanding how you spend, but talk about, um, talk about a way to, uh, to learn that strategy at such a young age and, and what it must has, what it's left on you, right? Um, is, is, there, um, is there a memory that you have as a child that sticks with you to this day about, about growing up there? So they, I have a lot of emotions, um, you know, growing up, and, and I think they are both good and bad. Yeah. On the positive side, the experience that has taught me to be super resilient, you know, persistent, and continue learning, innovating, to overcome obstacles and challenges, anything that come to me, I, I had to overcome. So that definitely taught me, and even, you know, I don't want to get more, I don't want to get too much in details, but even taught me I tried to escape and and then had to really turn around run away from the bad situation and and survive myself so um and my mother always said people people can take material things away from you because that's what happened to us however they can't ever take what's in your head and you can always start from scratch anything that you set your mind on and that's really resonated so much with me when I was young and of course continue coming to America not you know speaking any word of English and then had to learn it and 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 then be successful at school and of course got a great job and be successful in my professional career the not so good experience um, that I had from that experience in Vietnam was was it's kind of like the experience that scared me for life. Right. We uh, I mean, currently we are in excellent financial shape right now, without a mortgage or college kids to to tuition. However, I never felt comfortable. We have you know tremendous saving, but I'm always afraid everything will be gone. When I get up in the morning, it's right. like the dust of life experience when I was in Vietnam. It's deja vu and, and I cannot get rid of that. Right. I, I can't, I can't imagine. And by the way, most, um, most women feel like that regardless of their upbringing. Um, so I can only imagine that that's just enhanced with, with, um, with your experiences. And if you can maybe elaborate, not just the financial um, devastation that your family went through. But if you, um, you shared with me a story of when you were little, um, of, of how your street changed, can you talk a little bit just to give, give a little bit of perspective on, on how it just physically changed as well? Um, if, if that makes sense. Uh, I want to clarify, what do you mean the street change in terms of the, yeah, I have, you mentioned to me the memory of, of the tanks coming down the street. Yes, yes. So, so the, the street change when the fell of Saigon, it was very impactful at 10 years old, stay, you know, standing up, you know, stood, stood uh, on the front of my balcony, my home, you know, it's, it's kind of city home, you know, uh, r- 
every home right next to each other mm-hmm. and, and watching and didn't know there was, you know, you hear a lot of gunfires far away. And then all of a sudden, you know, you, you seen tank rolling down my street and, and walk through my street. And it was just amazing experience at 10 years old. It was, and with the white flag, you know, on top. So definitely there was no fighting. Um, it's not as dramatic as some of my cousins and, and, and relatives and in, in kind of like in the middle where mm-hmm. the North starting to take over some of that, uh, those areas. Uh, but it was still very dramatic for me at 10 years old, seeing an army tank with all the soldiers and everything coming down on your street. Uh, that was definitely a, a big emotional uh, roller coaster for me as well. Absolutely. That's, that's incredible. Um, you, you, thank you for sharing. You mentioned, um, you mentioned some of the emotions that you can't get rid of today about the, you know, the concern about, you know, running out of money, despite the fact that and you said it, I love it. You're in excellent financial shape. I, I can't tell you very few people will use the word excellent. And even, even to say that they're in finance, in good financial shape is very rare. So congratulations. Are there other tendencies that you have today that you still think are a result of your upbringing? Or is there anything else um, that, that comes to mind? Um, uh, definitely the, the one that, you know, I can think of is just like, I can never give up. Mm. I can never give up on anything. I never want to miss an opportunity. And I think this is kind of like go back to, I am a survivor because I cannot just let go. I can't, even though I am in a, in a like I said, good, you know, excellent financial shape, but if opportunity come my way, I have to take it. I cannot right. just stop. I cannot just say, oh, it's good enough now. I can just go. No, I can't. And, right. and that's also, uh, you know, I, I think some people say, Lily, why don't you just relax and, and let go? But it just, that's also the so-so experience that I experienced, you know, from, from, from that uh, traumatic event that I, I just cannot let go of, of, you know, opportunity. I have to take it because who knows what's going to happen tomorrow. Absolutely. Absolutely. And you, um, you were, you were fortunate as well to come here and and have an education, right? Can you, can you talk a little bit about how, um, how you made your way through college? Yes. So I went to college. I came here at 18 years old and didn't speak any English. And my sister, when I came here, she already been here, study abroad and came here and they had to take care of my parents at that time. And she told me, Lily, I cannot take care of you. You are 18 years old. You will be on your own. And here is $500. You just have to make do with it. You're going to get yourself in college and, and start. And I started out with $500 and did not speak much English. And I had to get, you know, financial aid, loaned money and started school and learned everything from scratch. I had to be, again, survivor. I had to be resilient to, uh, to take some very easy class math classes very easy for me to learn English because the subject I was already familiar with. And then I got to the point that uh, the kids in the class saw that I was so good at math that they want me, they wanted me to tutor them. So I exchanged you, I tutor them math and they tutored me English and that's how it went. And that's how I got to be where I am today. And also I came home and I would watch soap opera 
<laughs> you know the actions of of all the characters. You only focus on the English sound, and that's how I learned how to speak English and how to have a conversation. But you know, but you know, incredible. incredible. My mom allowed me to watch a soap opera living in Venezuela. And I think it was just because it was in Spanish and it was helping me learn the language. So, <laughs> yes. Um, so you also have uh, two adult kids. Um, can you talk a little bit about, you know, the impact that maybe all of this has had on them and, and, and um, how you, you know, how you thought about it, raising them? Yeah, so our children are great, uh, but they definitely have had a very different experience than what I experienced. <laughs> they definitely listen to the stories uh, from me and my family, you know, many of my family, grandmother even, and stories from my husband. My husband is also American, but uh, he grew up in a trailer in Eastern Kentucky. So in a mm. way, they kind of got a both sides of the stories. Yeah. Uh, so they know, they. I know that they very appreciate, you know, the fantastic opportunities this country gave us. And, and they, they heard about the stories. And I think what really impactful for them was seeing their parents, both of the parents, you know, came out from nowhere from that's from scratch and was able to establish, you know, a great, um, you know, situation, great financial outcome. So they would, uh, they really appreciate that. However, they, I know that they will never feel the fear and, and the trauma that I went through, which I think is probably good. Yeah. And, and so it's right now the impactful thing for them, I know that it's really important that they know that they can do whatever they want if they set their minds on it. Absolutely. I, it's, it's, so, it's so important. I, I speak to so many women that struggle on how to raise their kids. And this, you know, certainly top of mind to me, how do you find, you know, how do you find that balance of providing them independence, but at the same time, you, you want them maybe to be raised better than how you were. Um, it, do you have any suggestions on maybe what's worked for you? Any, any tips or, um, um, you know, uh, I guess sort of ideas that you, that you implemented? Yeah. So the challenge now is that, you know, some parents and you know, a majority, I would say, we want to protect and shelter our kids from everything, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and everybody's super involved with their children's education activities. But even I think they get into like even their personal relationship, girlfriend, boyfriend as well. So hence the term helicopter parents, right? So yes. <laughs> it's, it's very hard for the kids to even breathe free. And even some, you know, I hire some of the millennials at, at, at work and they even admitted to me that they felt like uh, they in that, that super bubble, uh, you know, and they cannot get away from it. And, and I think for us, we have tried to let them learn from their failures. It is always hard to let them fall on their noses, especially yeah. when you see it's coming. Um, but you, you, we have to try to let them do exactly that where the consequences are minor. So for us, we try to calculate are the consequences a minor that think that they can help them turn around, then we let them fall on their noses and, and, and hope that, you know, they would be able to apply that lesson to bigger thing that have, have a bigger consequences later on. Uh, the other story is I really think 
they must be accountable for their actions and consequences, both good and bad, because if they don't own the challenges or the issues, they don't take them seriously because you can say, oh, you should do X, Y, Z to solve whatever, but it's kind of coming to one ear and go to the other ears, right? And as parents, it's so tough to let them go at times but you have to kick them out the nest to let them learn how to fly on their own versus waiting to be fed by us. And that's really the tips. And I think it's, it's, it's easy, set them done. Yeah. And you have to, again, calculate the risk and, and the consequences in, in kind of like, is that, is that small, medium or large? Then you let them fall on the small one and, and kind of hoping that they will learn to get, you know, to be more responsible when it's a bigger consequences. Absolutely. And, and you also hit it right on the nose, I think, with the comment of easier said than done. That's the first thing I thought of. It's, it's so difficult, right? Um, so thank you for, for sharing that. Um, the last question I wanted to ask you was, uh, when we spoke the first time, the, the, the phrase that you said that really stuck with me was power of control. Um, and you referenced it um, several times. So, so can you talk about what this means to you? Yes, you always have to be in control of your destiny. You can't rely on anyone but yourself for everything, especially being financially independent. Living in Fairfield County, I was one of the few working moms attending all the kids' activities when my, kid, my kids were young, and most of the dads were in the finance investment world, so these women you know, have the luxury of stay at home. Now, when I look at my situation, my grandmother, not just my mom, my grandmother, who was only allowed to attend school until fifth grade, she was engaged at eight years old, married at 16, and had 12 children starting 17 years old on, you know, on her firstborn, for her firstborn. So her lesson was very powerful to us and to every one of us. She made sure that all six of her daughters attended college. She often also talked about the lack of being financially independent and did not have strong self-worth herself. And yet she's intelligent woman. She's the most happy and, and nice and it's like lovable. And yet she doesn't have a strong sense of self-worth. And mm. she insisted on her daughters having the power to control their own lives because you never know what is going to happen. Look at my situation. Uh, I was, you know, very well off. I was born in a very well off family. And if I didn't have the power control, I didn't have that destiny. I would not have been where I am today. I would just fall off and be on welfare for life. And that's not the life that, that I want to be. And, and the life that I have now, because I was in total control of my destiny. So in summary, life is unpredictable. And the more you control your financial situation, the better you will achieve your goals. I know that lots of women might not feel comfortable handling financial matters because they're kind of tedious. They kind of, you know, really not fun at all. Right. However, you have to take charge and be in control before taking care of others. It's always like the message on every flight, right? Put the mask on yourself before helping others. 
And that's really the moral of the story. I think that's fantastic. And, and I am um, really, I'm in awe of not only your story, um, but also just what you made of it and what you um, not only what you've done for yourself, but your family. And, and I think the lesson is, is so incredibly powerful. So I, I can't thank you enough for, for sharing it with us today. And I, I'm going to circle back. You, um, you started in your conversation about your childhood, about you, you expressed it as monopoly in real life. And I, I just think that's an incredibly powerful comment. So, uh, so thank you again for, for sharing it. And I, you know, it's fantastic that you've been able to share your story with your kids. I I'm hoping that by, by this podcast, we can share it with so many more because we need to hear more of these stories. They're, they're important to how we, we think about, you know, how we think about our emotions and finances going forward. Thank you. (laughs) Thanks for listening to women on wealth by women for women. Stay up to date by subscribing to iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. To learn more, please visit www.principalwealthpartners.com or join us on Facebook and LinkedIn.